Hello, and welcome to the Murder House Radio Show. I'm your host, X. On this show, we will be covering serial killers, killers, mass shooters, disappearances, true crime, and the most deplorable things and people in history. All that good, dark stuff. The Murder House Radio Show will be a radio show slash podcast. I'll be uploading videos every Friday at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you're viewing on YouTube. And hit follow if you're listening on a podcasting platform. So sit down, get comfortable, grab some coffee or whatever your preferred beverage is, turn off the lights, and enjoy the show. Today's episode will be on the Columbine High School shooting. On the right is Eric Harris, and on the left is Dylan Klebold, the two who are responsible for one of the most notorious school shootings in American history. And all of history, matter in fact. But first off, how was uh, your guys' Friday? I hope it was good. And uh, the month's almost over. How is your month going so far? This is the la- the second last week of the month. But uh, yeah, let me know how you guys are doing down in the comments. But uh, let's get into this. These two were responsible for the Columbine high school massacre that killed 13 people and left 24 wounded. Eric Harris was born April 9th, 1981 and died April 20th, 1999. And Dylan Ben Klebolt was born September 11th, 1981 and died April 20th, 1999. They both died by self-inflicted gunshots right next to each other. The shooting took place on April 20th, 420, and Hitler's birthday. Just a fun fact right there for you guys. 1999 at Columbine High School, obviously. In Columbine, Colorado. Oh, that's the, that's the town's name. I did not know that. Harris and Klebold, who were seniors at the school, simultaneously committed suicide, yes, like I said, in the library, which you can find pictures up if you would like to see that for whatever reason, where they had killed, they killed 10 of their victims in the library, but they uh, murdered all over the school, and um, the library took the brunt of the uh, killings. Eric and Dylan met each other while they were in grade 7, and over time they became very close. By the time they were juniors, they had described as they were described as inseparable. There are different reports. Some say Harris and Klebold were very unpopular students and frequently targeted by bullies, and others said they were near the, they weren't near the bottom of the school's social hierarchy and each may had many friends from their journals eric and dylan had seemed to begin planning this attack may 1998 so a whole yearish earlier almost yeah only like 11 months earlier throughout the next year dylan and eric meticulously built explosive they they built pipe bombs and they tried to make a propane bomb which failed to go off and gathered a bunch of weapons dylan and eric left behind several journal writings and home videos foreshadowing the massacre and explaining their actions with what they hoped to be archived yes they're called the basement tapes They have not been released, but there are other tapes of them going about their life that they recorded, just not the basement tapes. But I want to see the basement tapes because those sound interesting into the mind of uh, these two. But yes, there's an artist called Bones from Team Sesh, and he has a bunch of songs off the Team Witch, the Teen Witch album, I believe. To raise uh, awareness about school shootings. And they're all based off of the uh, Columbine shootings. And they're called the Cafeteria, Klebolt, 
bombs in the lunchroom. And I think that is about it. They are actually pretty good songs. I have a few of them. They're actually pretty good. And I highly recommend listening to Team Sesh Bones. You might like them. He's hands down one of my favorite rappers. But uh, back to this. But uh, after the massacre, it was widely believed that Dylan and Eric were part of a clique in the school called the Trenchcoat Mafia. That sounds like a dope name. And you know, trench coats are pretty stylish. But they got that nickname because they often wore trench coats around the school into the actual shooting. They wore trench coats in the beginning. But um, the Trenchcoat Mafia was a group of misfits in the school who supposedly rebelled against the popular students. Kinda sounds like uh, me when I was in school. Just not the school shooter type. I just dressed like I was like paramilitary or something. This turned out to be the turned out to be untrue as neither Eric or Dylan had any affiliations with the group. But yes, the pair aforementioned writings and videos gave insight to their relations for the shooting. The FBI concluded that Harris was a psychopath who exhibited a lack of empathy, narcissistic traits, and unconsidered, unconstrained aggression. And Klebold was concluded to be an angry, depressive, who showed low self-esteem, anxiousness, and a vengeful attitude towards individuals who he believed had mistreated him. Okay... However, neither Harris or Klebold were formally diagnosed with any mental illness prior to the attack. Yes. Also, what do you think causes someone to um, do something like this? Because I don't really want to hear, oh, they were easily accessible to guns because they're in America. If you wanted to cause harm to a bunch of people... You can go get guns however you want, or you could use a knife, or a bat, or just go swinging on people. So, you know, you can do what you want. But what do you think causes someone to snap like this? Because, um, I want to say bullying, but even then you can just fight the bullies and they'll usually leave you alone. But, yeah, what are your thoughts? Leave it in the comments. Leave it down in the comments. But, um, in the immediate aftermath of the attack, various media outlets attributed multiple motivating factors to the attack, including bullying, mental illness, racism, I don't know about that, psychiatric medication, and media violence. Well, the media nowadays hasn't gotten any better. In fact, it's probably got worse for violence, because all you see is violence. And a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, let's not get into that. But despite this. The exact motive for the attack. Remains unidentified. Harris and Klebolt. Have become pop culture icons. With the pair often portrayed. Referenced and seen in films. Television shows. Video games. Music and books. Many killers since the shootings. Have taken inspiration from the pair. Which is very true. Either hailing them as heroes, martyrs, or gods, or expressing sympathy for their pair, Harris and Klebold also have a fan base who have coined the term Columbiners, who write fan fiction and draw fan arts of them. Others have also dressed as them for cosplay or Halloween. Oof. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's weird how, uh, people, um, sensationalize killers and all that stuff. It's pretty weird. And it's also weird how a lot of women want to flock to killers and be with them. Maybe they think they can change them. Maybe they have a kink for killers knowing that they could easily take their life, which is kind of stupid, but maybe, who knows? What are your explanations for that? It's definitely interesting. Just, uh, you know, do the thing down in the comments. So, Eric was born in Wichita, Kansas 
and his parents were both born and raised in Colorado. His mother, Catherine Ann Pole, was a homemaker, and his father, Wayne Harris, was working in the United States Air Force as a transport pilot. So the they obviously moved around a lot, and uh, sporadically. And in nineteen eighty three, the family moved to Daytona, Ohio. When Harris was two years old, six years later, the family relocated to Oscoda, Michigan. The Harris family moved to New York in 1992, then to Colorado the next year when Wayne retired from the Army. Kyle Ross, a former classmate of Harris, said he was just a typical kid. Nice. In 1997... English class assigned Harris wrote about how difficult the move from New York to Colorado was. Yes, it's difficult for young people to move around a lot. Especially if you've been there for a while, like a year or two. Make some friends and then boom, we gotta move. But uh, yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, He said it was the hardest... It was the hardest moving from Plattsburgh... I have the most memories from there. And then he also said, When I left my friends, I left alone, lost and even agented that I had spent so much time with them, and now I have to go because of something I can't stop. So he basically just said, I made all these friends, spent so much time with them, got all these memories, and then moved, and I had nothing, I could do nothing about it. But, um... Harris, in the basement tapes, blamed his father for moving the family around, forcing Harris to start out at the bottom of the ladder. Harris also added that kids would often mock his appearance. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely hard. I haven't had to move around that much, but I've always... I moved around a couple times while I was in school, mainly when I was younger. Like, the quickest move I had was uh, I went to one school for grade three and then moved to the place I am now and I've been there ever since and I've been here for about 10 years probably a little longer but uh yeah but that's still no reason to shoot up a school so you know the Harris family lived in a rented accommodations for the first three years that they lived in little in the Littleton area Using mom. While Harris was in seventh grade, he met Klebold, like I said. In 1966, the Harris family purchased and settled at a house south of Columbine High School. Yes. Older brother Kevin attended college at the University of Colorado. Harris's father took a job as a flight safety service corporation, and Harris's mother, a former homemaker, became a cat here whatever that is but uh yes and then he attended columbine in 1995 as a freshman and um from a lot of accounts it says from all accounts he, that he had uh, many friends and was the left forward in middle field on the soccer team in his freshman and sophomore year and according to his teammates, Josh Swanson, he said Harris was a solid soccer player who enjoyed the sport a lot. Harris, during his freshman year, met Tiffany Typer, who was in his German class. Typer la later recounted that Harris quickly wooed her. Wooing. <laughs> Harris asked her to homecoming and she accepted. After the event, it appeared that Typer was no longer interested in seeing Harris anymore. For reasons never disclosed. Oof. That could have a part of it. Women are have a crazy effect on a lot of dudes for the most part. But, uh, yeah. One typer refused to socialize with Harris again. Harris staged a fake suicide hole. He just faking his death. Sprawling on the ground with fake blood splattered all over him. When Typer saw him, she began to scream for help, at which point Harris and his friends began laughing, prompting Typer to storm off, shouting at Harris to get a psychological help. What a savage. You just got pranked, bro. <laughs> Filthy Frank, I miss that dude. But um, there's a little rundown on Eric Harris.
So now let's get into Dylan Klebold's early life. He was born in Lakewood, Colorado to Thomas and Sue Klebold. On the day after the shooting, Klebold's mother remembered that shortly after Klebold's birth, she described what felt like a shadow had been casted over her, warning her that this child would bring her great sorrow. Oof, some of that uh, spiritual hippy-dippy stuff. I think I still make of it what I did at that time. I was a pa It was a passing feeling that went over very quickly like a shadow, Sue said. In an interview with Colorado Public Radio. Alright. Um, Klebold was diagnosed with pyloric stenosis, stenosis. A condition in which the opening between the stomach and small intestine thickens, causing severe vomiting due to... For the first few months of life. So this is when he was a baby, alright? Sue later assured herself that the feeling she had when her... The feeling she had that her son would bring her immense sorrow was that her son would be physically ill. Okay. But, um, his parents met at Ohio State University. The two quickly became seminate, semit, semiton, <laughs> S-M-I-T-T-E-N. After they both graduated, they married in 1971 with their first child, Brian. Brian. Being born in 1978, Thomas had initially worked as a sculptor, but the, um, then moved over to engineering to be more financially stable. Sue worked in assistant services with disabled children. Furthermore, Klebold's parents were pacifists, so they didn't like violence at all. They didn't believe in it. But, uh, yeah, I don't believe in pacifism, because violence is the only commonly, universally understood language, sadly. Because violence gets the point across, whatever your point is, sadly. And attended a Lutheran church with her children. Both Klebold and his older brother attended confirmation classes in accordance with the Lutheran tradition. Alright, so they went to church. Okay, uh, as had been the case with his older brother, Klebold was named after a renowned poet, Dylan Thomas. Interesting. But um, at the family home, Klebold also observed some rituals in keeping with Klebold's maternal grandmother's Jewish heritage. Okay, so we believe, maybe practice a little Judaism, maybe. Um, Klebold attended Normandy Elementary School. And according to reports, Klebold was exceptionally bright as a child, although he appeared somewhat sheltered in elementary school. Okay. When he transitioned to Ken Carly Middle School, he found it difficult. Klebold's parents were unconcerned with the fact that Klebold found the changing of schools uneasy. Yeah. Changing schools at a young age isn't always easy. I remember when I went from elementary to junior high, because where I live, it's, um, you are in elementary to grade six, and then you're in middle school from grade seven to nine. But, um, yes, as they assumed, it was just regular behavior amongst young adolescents. Yeah, it makes sense. But uh, during his early school years, he played baseball, soccer, and t-ball, and Klebold was in Club Scouts with a friend, Brooks Brown, who he was friends with since first grade. And Browns lived near his uh, near the house Harris's parents had bought when they finally settled in Littleton, okay? Oh, so he lived by uh, Eric Harris, word. And rode the same bus as Harris shortly after Klebold had met Harris. And the pair quickly became best friends, yes. Uh, later, Harris introduced Klebold to his friend Nathan Dykeman, who also attended their middle school. And they all became a tight-knit group of friends. Alright, so everything seemed pretty normal for the first half of their life until high school for the most part. Alright, so Harris and Klebold worked together at Blackjack Pizza, and they were both interested in computers 
and were enrolled in bowling classes. That's low-key the whitest shit I've ever heard. Bowling classes, no offense. <laughs> but, um, people described Harris as charismatic, and others described him as nice and likable. But people also described Harris as often barred barged, bragged, fuck me, bragged about his ability to deceive others, once stating in a tape that he could make anyone believe anything. By his junior year, Harris was also known to be quick to anger, so had a temper, and threatened people with bombs, holy. Classmates also related that Harris was fascinated by war and wrote out violent fantasies about killing people he didn't like. Well, I do like war myself. It's an interesting topic. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, Klebolt was described by his, uh, fellow peers and adults as painfully shy. And Klebolt would often be fidgety whenever someone new talked to him, rarely opening up to people. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So it seemed like, um, for sure, Harris uh, changed towards the end of middle school around there, for sure. And maybe I've heard that, um, Harris was an influence on Klebold, maybe. Very much a maybe. It's definitely an interesting topic. So, a lot of uh, their friendship is unknown. On their interactions and conversations, aside from the basement tapes. Because this was long before the internet, mind you, I'm pretty sure. Well, not long before the internet, but uh, the early stages of the internet, when it wasn't that... uh good or accessible for the most part but um of which only transcripts have been released harris and Klebold met at ken claire middle school during their seventh grade year yes like i said and over time they became good friends hanging out often going out bowling carpooling and playing video games the video game doom which one's this Doom, 1993 first-person shooter FPS game developed by ID Software and MSDOS. Players assume the role of a space marine popularly known as Doom Guy, fighting his way through hordes of invading demons from hell. Interesting. Over a private server, they connected their personal computers and uh, by their junior year in high school, the boys were described as inseparable. Chad Laving, Laffling, a close friend of Harris and Klebold, said that they always sat alone together at lunch and often kept to themselves. So the quiet kids. And then a rumor started that they were gay and romantically involved because they were together so much. <sighs> That's sad. Alright, it is unknown if they were aware of this rumor, although a friend of the pair, Chad, reported that both Harris and Klebold did divergence. Oof. Oof. Judy Brown believed Harris was emotionally dependent on Klebold, who was more liked by the broader student population. In his journal, however, Klebold wrote that he felt... Klebold wrote that he felt he was not accepted or loved by anyone. And due to the fe these feelings, Klebold possibly sought validation from Harris. And Klebold's mother believed Harris's rage intermingled with Klebold's... Harris's rage inter intermingled with Klebold's self-destructive personality caused the boys to feed off each other and enter in what eventually would become... An infernal friendship. Interesting. Very interesting. A new perspective I have not heard so far. So, um, it says here, Harris had various websites that hosted Doom and Quake files, as well as team information for those whom he gamed with online. And then the site openly... Expounded, expounded hatred for people in their neighborhood and world in general. When the pair began experimenting with pipe bombs, 
they posted results of the explosions on the website. So they had their own website, basically. Word. The website was shut down by America Online after the shooting and was preserved for the FBI. So they had their own website where them and like-minded people would talk about fucking hating people and video games and pipe bombs and guns and stuff. And then they did get into a little bit of a legal trouble. In January 30th, 1998, Harrison Klebold broke into a local van to steal a computer and other electronical equipment. An officer pulled over the two driving away, and Harris shortly after admitted to the theft... They were later charged with mischief, breaking and entering, trespassing, and theft. They both left good impressions on the juvenile officers who offered to expunge their criminal record if they agreed to attend a diversion, diversionary program which included community service and psychiatric treatment for stealing. <laughs> Holy... But I'm alright. But uh, Harris was required to attend anger management behavior programs, and Harris was remarked that he was a very bright individual who likely who was likely to succeed in life. While Klebold was said to be intelligent, but needs to understand that hard hard work is part of fulfilling a dream. Okay. A couple months later, on April thirtieth, Harris hand handed over the. First version of a letter of apology he wrote to the owner of the van. Alright. Alright then. The van which he. In the letter, Harris expressed great regrets about his actions. However, in one of his journal entries dated April 12th, he wrote Isn't America supposed to be the land of the free? How come, if I'm free, I can't deprive some fucking dumb shit? Of his possessions if he leaves them sitting in the front seat of his fucking van in plain sight in the middle of fucking no nowhere on a fry fucking day and night. Okay. Natural selection. Fuckers should be shot. Holy real violent this guy. So they did make a video called Hitmen for Hire on December 1998. It was for a school project, a video school project, in which they swore, yelled at the camera, made violent statements, and acted out shooting and killing students in the hallway of Columbine High School. So I doubt this was submitted, but they just kind of made it. I've seen that tape, by the way. It's on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. Both also displayed themes of violence in their creative writing projects of doom-based stories written by Harris on January 17th, 1999. His teacher said, Yours is a unique approach, and your writing works is gruesome way, good details, and mood setting. Okay. So, they were both underage and unable to get firearms, and then Klebold enlisted the help of Rod Rodney... Anderson, an 18-year-old Columbine student and old friend of Klebold's, to make a straw purchase of two shotguns and a high-point carbine for the pair in exchange for her cooperation with the investigation that followed the shootings. No charges were filed against Anderson. After illegally acquiring the weapons, Klebold sawed off his Savage 311 D12 gauge shotgun, double-barrel shotgun word. His Savage 312D 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun. There we go. Shortening the overall length to approximately 23 inches. Meanwhile, Harris Savage Springfield 12-gauge pump shotgun was sawn off around 26 inches. Okay. They also got their hands on Tech DC-9 semi-automatic handguns, which had a long history. All right. The manufacturer... So, oh, a Tech 9. They had Tech 9s or something like that word. The manufacturer of uh, Tech DC 9 first sold it to uh, Miami based. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, they had a bunch of guns, though, for real, for real. So, the Tech 9 looking guns were later sold to a dude, an arms dealer from Thornton, Colorado, a firearms dealer named Larry Russell. 
So in violation of uh, federal law, Russell failed to keep records of the sale, so it was a black market deal. Yet he determined that the purchase of the gun was to 21-year-old, was to a dude 21 years or older. And then the two men, Mark Maines and Philip Durton, were convicted of supplying guns to the two. So I'm guessing Eric and Dylan. And then they used a bunch of bombs. Um... Married and crudely made from carbon dioxide, senderite, canisters, canisters, okay, Gr galvanized pipe, and metal propane bottles, okay, yeah, like I said earlier, the bombs were primed with matches placed on one end, both had stri striker tips on their sleeves, and, um, oh, so the match would burn down and then it would light the shit in it and it would blow up. It's like a homemade fuse. They were rubbed against the bomb. The match would, the match head would light the fuse. The weekend before the shooting, Harris and Klebolt purchased propane tanks and other supplies from a hardware store for a few hundred dollars. Several residents of the area claimed to have heard glass breaking and buzzing sounds from the Harris family garage. So maybe saws and stuff. Um, which later was concluded to indicate they were constructing pipe bombs. More complex bombs, such as the one they detonated at the corner of South Wasworth Boulevard and Ken Carley Avenue, had timers. Okay, so these guys were smart with their bombs. The two largest bombs built were found in the school cafeteria and were made from small propane tanks. Only one of these bombs went off, only partially detonating. It was estimated that if any of the bombs placed in the cafeteria detonated properly, the blast could have caused extensive structural damage to the school and would have resulted in hundreds of casualties. Oof. So, on the day of the shooting, and this was weeks before they were set to graduate, Brooks Brown, who was smoking a cigarette outside during lunch break, saw Harris arrive at school. Brown had severed his friendship with Harris a year earlier after Harris had thrown a chunk of ice at his car windshield. Brown recollected with Harris just prior to the shooting. Brown approached Harris near his car and scolded him for skipping the morning classes because Harris was always serious about schoolwork and being on time. Harris replied, it doesn't matter anymore. Harris followed up a few seconds later, Brooks, I like you now. Get out of here. Go home. Brown, who felt uneasy, quickly left the school grounds at 11.19 a.m. He heard the first gunshots after he had walked some distance away from the school and informed the police via a neighbor's cell phone. Word. By the time Klebolt had already arrived at the school in a separate car, and the two boys left two open bags, each containing 20 pounds of propane bombs, a 20-pound propane bomb, inside the cafeteria. Word. Their original plans indicated that when these bombs detonated, Harris and Klebolt would be camped out by their cars and shoot, stab, and throw bombs at survivors of the initial explosion as they ran out of the school. Yes, they also calculated how many students would be where during lunchtime, and they found out the most students would be in the cafeteria itself. So they kind of made a bottleneck kind of deal. They'd all rush out the door, and they'd be shooting and throwing bombs at them. At, a, at noon, this would be followed by bombs set up in the pair's cars, detonating, killing first responders and other personnel. When these devices failed to detonate, Harris and Klebolt launched a shooting attack against their classmates and teachers. It was the deadliest attack ever perpetrated at an American high school until the Stone Man Douglas High School shooting in February 14th, 2018. Harris was responsible for eight of the 13 confirmed deaths. Um, Rachel Scott, American High School, American High School until, oh, fuck me. Um, Rachel Scott, Daniel Ro Rowerboat, Rowboat, Teacher 
Dave Sanders, Stephen Kernow, Cassie Bernal, Isaiah Schulz, Kelly Fleming, and Daniel Mercer, while Klebolt was responsible for the remaining five. Kyle Valencus, uh, Matthew Ketcher, Lauren Townsend, John Tomlin, and Corey Depoter. There were 24 injured, 21 of them by the shooters, most in critical condition. Yes, but um, they were they killed people all over the school in the hallways in the library, in the cafeteria, and in a computer lab. But when they were killing people, they would um shoot them or whatever, and they'd toy with them. They'd just talk to them. Oh, hey, you want to die today? No, all right. Boom, and they'd kill them. Stuff like that. They'd just talk to them and toy with them the whole time. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty wild. And there are uh, accounts of survivors who would... uh. Yeah, because, like, these accounts came from the survivors, which you can find on uh, YouTube and all that stuff. Just search up Columbine High School Shooting Survivors, and all this will uh, come up, and it's uh, pretty sad. So at 12.02 p.m., Harrison Klebold returned to the library, because, uh, yeah... Of the 56 library hostages, 34 remained unharmed, all of who escaped after Harris and Klebold left the library initially. Investigators would later find that Harris and Klebold had enough ammunition to have killed them all. This was 20 minutes after their lethal shooting spree had ended, leaving 12 students dead, one teacher dying, and another 24 injured. And 10 of their victims had been killed in the library. It is believed they came back to the library to watch their car bomb detonate, which had been set up to explode at noon. This did not happen. As the aforementioned bombs failed, Harris and Klebold went to west windows and opened fire on the police outside. No one was injured in the exchange. Between three and six minutes later, they walked to the bookshelves near the tables where Patrick Ireland laid badly wounded and coming in and out of consciousness, student Lisa Kitters, injured in an early library attack, was also in the room, unable to move. By 1208, Harris and Klebold had killed themselves. In subsequent interviews, Kretus recalled hearing a comment such as, You in the library, around this time, Harris sat down with his back to the bookshelf, and fired his shotgun through the roof of his mouth. Klebolt went down on his knees and shot himself in the left temple with his Tech 9. An article by the Rocky Mountain News stated that the Patty Nielsen overheard the shout 1, 2, 3 in unison just before a loud boom. Nielsen said that she had never spoken with either of the writers of the article and evidence suggested otherwise okay just before shooting himself Klebolt lit a molotov cocktail on a nearby table underneath which ireland was laying which caused the tabletop to momentarily catch fire underneath the scorched film of material was a piece of harris's brain matter suggesting harris had shot himself by this point well, god damn that's some dark shit some dark fucking shit. So, uh, yeah. A lot of the injuries from the people who lived. The 24 who lived. Um, a lot of them were paralyzations. And, uh, missing limbs and stuff. And, uh, yeah. Just a whole bunch of life-altering injuries. But, um, here's... It says something about the bullying. And it says, at the end of the Harris's last journal entry, he wrote... I hate you people for leaving me out of so many fun things. And no, don't say, well, that's your fault, because it isn't. You people had my phone number, and I asked, and all, but no, 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 no. Don't let that weird-looking Eric kid come along. Oh, fuck no. And Klebolt said on the basement tapes, 
You've been giving us shit for years. You're fucking gonna pay for all the shit. We don't give a shit because we're going to die doing it. But, uh, yeah. So, there's contradicting uh, statements that uh, say they were bullied. And some say they weren't. So, uh, you know. I don't know. It's uh, hard to say because there's a lot of conjecture, I think is the right word. But accounts from various parents and the school staff described bullying at the school as rampant. So, a lot of bullying. And Nathan Venders... A friend of Klebold and Eliza Owen, Harris's 8th grade science partner, reported that Harris and Klebold were constantly picked on. Okay. Vandera noted that a cup of fecal matter was thrown at them. Oof. People surrounded them in the commons and squirted ketchup packets all over them, laughing at them, calling them faggots. Brooke Brown, Brooks Brown says... That happened while the teachers watched. Okay, so, yeah. They couldn't fight back. They wore the ketchup all day and went home covered in it. In his book, No Easy Answer, The Truth Behind the Death at Columbine, Browns wrote that Harris was born with mild chest, with a mild chest indent. This made him ridiculed to take his shirt off, reluctant to take his shirt off in gym class. And other students would laugh at him. Um, It says here, A lot of the attention in the school came from the class above us. So, uh, yeah, from the class above us, Chad laughing, Laughlin states, There were people fearful of walking by by a table where you knew you didn't belong. Stuff like that. Certain groups certainly got preferential treatment across the board. I caught the tail end of one really horrible incident, and I know Dylan told his mother that it was the worst day of his life. That incident, according to Laughlin, involved seniors pelting Klebolt with ketchup-covered tampons in the commons. However, other... Commentators have disputed the theory that bullying was the motivating factor. I think people are disputing the bullying thing because I don't want to acknowledge it happened and other people were to blame. Maybe that's why. But, uh, yeah, that makes sense if you think about it. But, you know, it's still not a reason to go around killing a bunch of people. If anything, kill the fucking bullies. Not that you should be killing anyone. But why shoot up the whole school when you could just go after the people who affected you? If that makes any sense. So, psychological analysis said that um, early reports of the bullying and stuff were, uh, like, um, reversed or whatever. Because they said it, they indicated that Harris and Klebold harbored serious psychological problems. Harris and Klebold were never diagnosed with any mental disorders, which is overwhelmingly uncommon. Fuck me, stuttering words. Holy, call me Mr. Stutters a lot. (laughs) In mass shooters, but um, according to the supervisory special agent, Dwayne Falsler, the FBI lead Columbine investigator and a clinical psychologist, Harris exhibited a pattern of grandi- grandiosity, compient, and lack of empathy or remorse, whatever that means, and destructive traits of a psychopaths that Harris concealed through deception, okay? So they were, one of them was for sure most likely a psychopath, which was Harris, and falser... Falseller adds that Harris engaged in Mandesi not merely to protect himself as Harris rationalized in his journal, but also for pleasure. He was, as seen with Harris, expressed his thoughts in his journal regarding how he and Klebold avoided persecution for breaking into a van. Other leading psychiatrists concurred that Harris was a psychopath. Okay, so Harris was most likely a psychopath. 
And then according to psychologist Peter Langman, Klebold displayed signs of schizotypical personality disorder. And that is um, schizotypical personality disorder, STPD, also known as schizotypical disorder, is a personality disorder characterized by thought disorder, paranoia, a characteristic from... A characteristic form of social anxiety, derelization, transient psychosis, and unconventional beliefs. Okay, fair enough. He struck many people as odd due to his shy nature, appeared to have had a disturbed thought process, and constantly mis- misused language in unusual ways, as evidenced by his journal. He appeared to have been delusional, viewed himself as godlike, and wrote that he was made a human without the possibility of being human. He was also convinced that others hated him and felt like he was being conspired against, even though, according to many reports, Klebolt was loved by his family and friends. Okay, so it seems. Harris was a psychopath, and Dylan was shy and um, underspoken, I guess you could say. And with his uh, schizotypical personality disorder, it seems like he'd be easily persuaded. And uh, Harris played into his delusions, I guess. And um, Harris could uh, help thought Dylan or whatever could be useful to his plan for uh, shooting up the school or whatever. So... It literally was a match made in hell, I guess you could say. Sorry if that didn't really make all that much sense. <laughs> Fuck. But uh, leave your thoughts in the comments below. What did you? Uh, what do you think of these two? But uh, yeah. But the f the families of more than thirty victims were given shares in a two million. $538,000 settlement by the families of the perpetrators. Oof. So they were, uh, the families were, like, Dylan and, uh, Eric's families were sued and they had to pay that amount to the, to about 30 families of the victims or whatever. And, uh, the two men convicted of supplying the weapons used in the massacre Okay, so the families and the two men convicted of supplying the weapons. All right, word. The Harris and Klebolt contributed. So the two the two families contributed contributed a million five hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars of settlements to their uh, to the families or whatever settlements to this contribute that many to the settlements from their own homeowners policies and menaces contributed. $720,000, and Durkins contributed $250,000. The Harrises and Klebolts were ordered to guarantee an additional $32,000 be available against any future claims. The Mannies were ordered to hold $80,000 against future claims, and the Durkins, $50,000. Alright. But, um, one family had filed a $250 million lawsuit against the Harrises and Klebolts in 1999. It did not accept the 2001 settlement terms. A judge ordered the family accept $366,000 settlement on June, on June 2003. In August 2003, the families of the five other victims received undisclosed settlements for the from the Harrises and Klebolts. It's crazy how your family can uh, be sued for all that money for the acts of one family member. And the whole family had nothing to do with this and had no knowledge of uh, these attacks. But where do you think the family comes in and has some responsibility here? Because I've heard all oh, the parents should have been checking their... Uh, kids bedrooms or whatever searches and stuff blah 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 yeah sure if they're displaying suspicious ass behavior but 
what the question is how much did they know and what red flags did they see is the question that's what i want to know because um parents can't stop everything no matter how strict they are it just creates sneakier kids and if they're not as strict and let them do as they please the kids may grow up to be shitheads but i don't know what kind of parents uh eric and dylan's parents were but they seemed like loving and caring parents but uh yeah i don't know what do you guys think so in the eight years since the columbine shooting there has been um eight other shootings and uh this eric harris and dylan klebold were referenced in those shootings so inspired those uh shootings which is uh fucking wild it says here that um they examined 12 major school shootings and then eight of those school shootings um the, they referenced eric and klebold but uh yeah that's wild so if you count um the other school shootings they weren't responsible for but influenced they were uh, responsible for a lot of deaths but uh, Larkins wrote that the Columbine Massacre established a script for shootings. Numerous post-Columbine rampage shooters referred directly to Columbine as their inspiration. Other attempts to surpass the Columbine shooting and body count. So, uh, yeah, it kind of sparked a sick, twisted game, I guess you could say. So, a 2015 investigation by CNN, oof, identified more than 40 people charged with Columbine-style plots. A 2014 investigation by ABC News identified at least 17 attacks and more than 36 alleged plots of serious threats against schools since the assault on Columbine High School that can be tied to the Columbine shooting. Ties identified by ABC News included online research by the perpetrators into the Columbine shooting clip news coverage and images of Columbine, explicit statements of admiration of Harris and Klebold, such as writings in the journal and on social media and video posts. But, uh, yeah. So they had a great influence, which is, uh, sad. Very sad. But, uh, yeah, if they wanted to go down as, uh, in fame and infamy... They definitely uh, achieved that. So I probably definitely left some stuff out. Leave what I left out in the comments or whatever. And uh, yeah, leave your thoughts on the whole Columbine situation in the comments. Let me know what you think and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening. The sources will be in the description below if you want to uh, go check those out. Just thought I'd leave that in there. And sorry for uh, my stuttering or whatever. I don't have a stutter. I just suck at reading sometimes. <laughs> it just be like that sometimes. So that is the Columbine shooting. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Murder House radio show. I hope you have a good rest of your Friday or whenever you are listening to this. Check out the social medias and the sources in the description below. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you are listening on YouTube. If you are listening on a podcasting platform, hit follow. See you next episode. This is your host X signing off.